Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Hey, if you did not make it last weekend, we just jumped into a brand new series called Beyond Basic, and uh, I'm actually really excited about this series. I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people, uh, in fact, inviting friends and saying, I really think this, this series is going to be helpful to us. Uh, if you were not here, let me catch you up to speed. Uh, also, you can go to the website, tfh.church, or you can go to the app, catch the podcast and the YouTube uh, channel from there if you want to watch last week's sermon. But Beyond Basic is a series where we're doing exactly what it sounds like. We want to move beyond the basics of our faith. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but I mentioned last week, God's desire, God's design for you is not that you would stay in a season of stunted growth, but that you would move, as the Bible says, from faith to faith and from glory to glory. That you would not be content to live in yesterday's victories or yesterday's faith or yesterday's glory, but you would know that there is always more for you in Jesus. There is more faith, there is more opportunity, there is more blessing, there is more power, there are more open doors, there is more available to you beyond this current season. I hate it when I hear Christians, you know, kind of live in the glory days of yesterday, like, well, that was a really good season with Jesus, but you know, this season I'm going through that. No, 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 no. That's not God's design for anybody. He wants us to move into a new area of faith and a new grace and a new glory in Jesus' name. Can someone say amen? So this, uh, this series, uh, we defined basic last week. Uh, it means an essential starting point or a foundation. And while starting point is important and foundation is important, ultimately the purpose of a foundation is to build something on top of it. So we're hoping that over the next couple of weeks that we're going to build up your faith, build up your journey with God. And our key text, uh, if you've got a Bible, it's in Hebrews chapter six, verses one and two. And uh, this is the admonition from whomever wrote this, Paul, Apollos, it's up for debate. We'll figure it out later. But Hebrews chapter six is encouraging us to move forward in our faith. And here's what he says. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, and let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. That's what we believe is gonna happen in the next few weeks. God willing, we are going to move forward into a greater understanding. Uh, And so, thank you, Priscilla, let's go, come on, say less, all right. So last week, uh, we talked about this idea of repentance and how it meant to turn away from sin and to turn towards Jesus and how to break the cycle of repetitive repetitive repentance. There you go, it's a difficult one to say. Uh, Today, I wanna talk to you about baptism. And... (laughs) and our baptism team's excited. Uh, If you are that type of personality that really hates it when people go out of sequence, I understand that technically the next thing in the scripture says faith, but we're going to skip over faith, hit baptism, and then we'll take care of faith next week. And if that messes with you and you're already twitching, fear not, we'll sort it out and we'll pray for you at the end. But the reason I wanna talk about baptism today in light of the fact that we talked about repentance last week is because of the scriptural connection between those two concepts, repent, and be baptized, the sequential order of things in scripture. So let's pray and then we're gonna get into this and we'll have some fun. Jesus, we love you this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather with your people and your house and experience your power and your presence. And Lord, I say this every week, but we did not gather in this room so that we could sing some songs and listen to an overaged guy in skinny jeans try to tell us how to live our life. 
We came here today because we have the audacity to believe that your presence and your power can transform us before we leave this place. I pray our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, and as we talk about a subject that many in the room would say, I already know about that, it's, it's baptism, I've been through that before, I pray that you give us some fresh understanding and some fresh light on this concept in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. And by the way, even as I prayed that at the end, if you're here today and you're like, man, baptism, for real? I gotta go to the beach, I already know about this, like I've been in church for a minute, fear not. I believe that there's gonna be some fresh insight and some fresh understanding for you today as well. And you'll be challenged. Um, I'm gonna make a statement, and I'm probably gonna offend a few people in the room because you are these people, but that's okay. Um, Have you ever noticed that there are some weird Christians in the body of Christ? Be honest this morning. If you're like a little bit weird, like as a Christian, just go ahead, you can lift a hand. Thank you, okay. We got some weird Christians. And Christians do some weird things. By the way, we try to keep the really weird ones at all the other churches in San Francisco. We just keep the semi-normal ones here. But um, Christians do some odd things. And honestly, outside of faith and understanding, some of the things that we do on a regular basis are borderline nuts. Like, honestly, if you tried to explain to somebody who didn't have a a groundwork, a, a foundation of faith about some of the things we do in church, it would be really, really weird for them. Like, think about trying to tell somebody to take communion with you when they have no concept of what communion is, okay? Just picture this scenario. You're like, hey, man, um, you want to come to my house later tonight? We're going to have a meal together. I bought this loaf of French bread over from Noe Valley Bakery. It's great. Um, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pour some wine, break this bread up into some pieces, and uh, then we're all going to eat it as we remember somebody who died a couple thousand years ago, and we're going to think that this bread is actually like their flesh and the wine is like their blood. Sound like a good time? Come on over to the house. I'm cool. Like, I, I, I ditched cannibalism a while ago. Like, this is not, like, that's weird, isn't it? Or like, okay, how about laying on of hands at the end of the service, okay? Even that phrase sounds weird. Like, if you come forward, like, hey, at the end of the service, if you need prayer for anything, we're gonna have our prayer leaders down here. We'd like to lay hands on you and pray for you. Imagine walking up to some stranger on Market Street, like, hey, can I lay hands on you real quick? Like, no, you cannot lay hands on me real quick. And if you do, I'm gonna call the police. Like, that's exactly what's gonna happen. These are weird concepts, but when you couple them with faith and you couple them with understanding, that weird moment of laying on of hands and that moment where we take the bread and we take the cup and we remember Jesus become these incredibly powerful supernatural moments. Well, baptism is virtually the same thing. Baptism is very weird outside of faith and understanding. Oh, you made a decision to follow Jesus? That's great. Put on some swim trunks and take a bath in front of a bunch of strangers, all right? Let's do it, it's gonna be good. Like that is weird. Until you understand with faith, with understanding what takes place in those waters and how significant, how supernatural, and how powerful that moment truly is. And so here's my aim over the next couple of moments we have together. I would like to bring some fresh understanding to this sacrament called baptism. And I think it's going to challenge some of you because most of us in the room, unless you've moved here from another country, you've grown up in Western Christian society. And honestly, Western Christianity has gotten baptism really wrong. So if I were to ask this question, why does somebody get baptized? I think that most people, and no offense if this would have been your answer, but I think most people in Western Christianity would answer by saying this. Well, baptism is the moment where you go public with your faith. 
It's this public declaration that I, I've decided to follow Jesus and I want everybody to know. That's why we invite our families and our friends to come watch us get baptized because it is this public declaration of my faith. Kind of the, uh, Taylor, if you could, the elf moment here in, uh, in the movie. Could you, could you show that real quick? Uh, great, could we hear it? I'll start with the cover. Picture this. You got... Uh... Yeah, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. There, it's that moment, okay? <laughs> It's the, it's the elf moment. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Like, it's, that was actually really good. <laughs> Might join the ballet. Let's go. Like, that's what, we, that's what we've watered baptism down to in Western society, in Western Christianity. Like, it's the moment where I say, I'm in love with Jesus, and I want the world to know that I love him and that I've chosen to follow him. And listen, that is absolutely an important part of Christianity, Understanding that you've made this decision and not being ashamed to tell people that you're following Jesus, absolutely, that is biblical. That is a mandate of scripture. In fact, even, even saying that, many of you probably already experienced this as you've told coworkers and family members that you've decided to follow Jesus. There might've been a little bit of rejection that came on the other side of that declaration. And I get it. The Bible says that you are blessed when people curse you because you've decided to follow Jesus. So when you see some opposition, just remember, I might be feeling cursed by people, but I'm blessed by God and I'm gonna continue to be vocal about my faith. That is important, but that has nothing to do with baptism. Baptism is not a moment where we declare publicly that we love Jesus. You might be surprised to find if you search through this entire Bible, there is not a single scripture that points to the fact that baptism is supposed to be a moment where we publicly declare our love for Jesus. Like, wait, what? In fact, it says the opposite. Many times in the Bible, and many times even in modern society, there are people who have been baptized in private. There were people that maybe no one else was around, or maybe there's many countries in the world today where if you were baptized out in public, you'd be executed for your faith, and people have done it in secret. So to state that baptism is merely a moment where we go public with our faith is to devalue and null and void all of the baptisms that have taken place in private. And I'm not willing to do that. Perhaps the second most popular answer for people in Christendom who answer the question, why baptism, is it's a command in Scripture. It's something that the Bible tells us to do. It's kind of the because I, I said so moment. Like parents, we're all familiar with that phrase, right? Like we've all had the argument with our children. We're like, why, 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 why? And you want to hit them, but you shouldn't. And so you finally, after you've chosen all logical statements and they've denied all of them and continued to ask why, you just say, because I said so, right? Like that's, that's the end game. You can drop that line, mic drop, and they have to do it. Like that's what people think baptism is, right? Like, oh, the Bible says so, so I'm supposed to do it. And that is true. The, the, this idea of baptism is a scriptural command. And as much as I would say that's all it is, and I applaud your uh, willingness to simply follow what scripture says to do, Jesus never asks us to do anything in scripture without providing a compelling why behind it. There's always a reason he's asking us to do something. My wife mentioned a moment ago, the Bible commands us to give, to tithe, to be generous. But he doesn't just leave it there. It tells us why. 
It shows that we trust Jesus as the source of our income. And as we respond by giving back to him a portion of what he has already given to us, we're saying, I trust you with my money. I understand that you provided all of this in the first place. And it wasn't my acumen or my ability that got me this job or this employment. No, it was you who blessed me with this job and you who provided the bonuses and you who've increased my worth. And so I give back to you showing that I trust you. And we also understand that it's by giving we set ourselves up for blessing. That, that is the why behind giving. We're supposed to serve one another. That's a command of scripture. But it's not just, well, serve people because you're supposed to serve people. It's because Jesus came to serve and not to be served. And when we serve others, we embody the very character and nature of Jesus. We show his love to humanity. And we also understand that in the kingdom, the way to be great is to serve before you can become great. Like that's, that's how it works. There's a lot of things that scripture commands us to do, but there's always a why behind it. And baptism is exactly the same. Yes, it is a command, but there is a very compelling why behind baptism. And I wanna share that with you for the next couple of moments. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter six, and I'm gonna give you the greatest why in scripture for baptism. Here's what it says in Romans chapter six, verse one. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus, where in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The greatest why for baptism is right there at the end of that sentence. Now we may live new lives. You have permission to live a new life. Let me say it like this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Baptism is an invitation to experience new life. It's an invitation. Yes, it is a command of scripture, but it is an open invitation to walk in the new life that is available to us in Jesus. All throughout scripture, you will find those two words after a description of what it looks like when you come to Jesus. After you come to Jesus, you now have this new life. You're not the old version of yourself anymore. You're not living by your old patterns and your old standards any longer. You have a new life. That's why our vision statement here at the Father's House is the Father's House exists so that people can discover life in Jesus. There's a lot of people outside of this room that are still trying to figure out life on their own and try to do life on their own. And they're frustrated and they're depressed and they feel like they're banging their head up against a wall but that's because they're trying to do it in their own strength. But if they come to Jesus and they lay all their cares upon him and they say, I will follow you and I will trust you and I'll do what you ask me to do, suddenly that fear and that anxiety and the weight of trying to do life on your own gets cast upon the one who is intended to carry it in the first place and you can walk in newness of life because of the life that Jesus already gave and resurrected to on your behalf. There is new life available to us. I, I, the Bible says it like this in Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. All old things have passed away, and all things have become new." Somebody say, "All things." Come on, say it like you mean it. All things. All things have become new. All. Thank you. All things have become new. Not some things. You are brand new. 
Jesus didn't make you a slightly better version of yourself. It's all new. Didn't, didn't make you a little bit more free, a little bit better behaved. No, you are an entirely new creation. You have divorced, you have separated from that old version of yourself. The best example I can give is, it's kind of like a really, really bad breakup. Anyone ever had one of those before? Anyone had a really ugly breakup? Oh, come on, be honest in church. Don't lie to me, okay? No, I've never dated anybody but Jesus. I'm dating Jesus right now. First of all, that's weird. Second of all, we all know about Derek, okay? Your last boyfriend, all right? And yeah. We've, many of us have had some ugly breakups before. And what happens in an ugly breakup? You completely disassociate that person from your life. Like you eliminate all evidence that you were ever together. The second you break up, what do you do? You change the Facebook status. You go through Instagram. You start cleaning house. You're like, there are no photos of me and this dude in this house. Delete the number from your phone. Delete the conversation from the text. I know how you do it, okay? On your Tinder profile, very available. Like, you know, <laughs> don't get on Tinder. All the friends choose sides. Like, who's going to be whose friend? Because we don't want to cross paths any longer. You return the box of stuff that you left at their house to the doorstep. Like, you don't want anybody to know. You don't want any affiliation with that old person. Well, that's kind of like what baptism is supposed to accomplish a really, really bad breakup where you completely disassociate with the old version of yourself and you realize I'm not obligated to that relationship with the dead me any longer. I now get to live in this new life with Jesus. I'm not that old, depressed, angry, visionless, passionless, date anything that walks kind of person any longer. I'm a new creation in Jesus. I'm filled with joy. I got some passion. Come on, I got a vision for my life. I'm new. I have permission to live a new life, according to Romans chapter 6. But listen, that permission is granted through baptism. Baptism in, is this moment where you break up with the old you, where you sever the ties, drop off the box, delete the Facebook pictures, that happens in baptism. Let me show you what it says in, in, in verse four. It says, for we died and we were buried with Christ, how? By baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Translation, this breakup's a little bit more intense. Because in order to ensure that that old person doesn't come knocking on the door at two o'clock in the morning, try to remind you of the relationship you once had, in order to ensure that the old version doesn't come calling or texting when you don't want them to, you can't actually just break up. You actually have to kill them. And I know that's kind of dark and it's sort of morbid. And for some, it's like, I've been trying to kill my ex for a really long time, okay? So like... That's encouraging to me. <laughs> but you actually have to kill them off. How? In the waters of baptism. Just as you go down into those waters, that old you 
that old tired version that didn't want anything to do with Jesus is put to death and you resurrect up out of those waters as a brand new person. Supernaturally, I can't explain to you how it happens other than in that moment, God says, I'm killing off the old and I am making all things new in your life. That's why across the front of our baptism shirts, it says all things new. There is no affiliation with the old you any longer. You have permission to live a new life. Now, if that was the only reason for baptism, that should be enough to throw on a pair of swim trunks and get inside the big bathtub out there. That should be enough. But in true infomercial fashion, wait, there's more. Ding! Like, the scripture goes on to tell us that there is actually a second death that takes place in the waters of baptism. And this second death, I would argue, is equally as powerful as the first. Uh, Look at what it says in the next couple of verses. Verse five says, since we have been united with him in his death, that is Jesus, we will also be raised to life as he was. Now we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were, I love this, we were set free from the power of sin. Not only was the old you put to death in the waters of baptism, but the power of sin, the power of sin, The grip of sin was put to death in the waters of baptism. Paul uses this phrase. He says, you are no longer a slave to sin. And when he says that, and again in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, when he references this statement, it's a story that many of us in the room would probably be familiar with if you've grown up in church. But for any of the new kids on the team, let me paint the picture for you. There was about a 400-year period, well, actually an exact 400-year period, where the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. And they were forced to do things they didn't want to do, to build things they didn't want to build, to be whipped every day and forced to surrender to their captors, to the Egyptians. And after 400 years, God sets them free at the hand of Moses with some supernatural, miraculous stuff. And Moses leads a couple of million Israelites out of Egypt and eventually takes them into the promised land. But on this journey, there's a moment where the Israelites are standing at the waters of the Red Sea and they turn around And unbeknownst to them, the Egyptians have been chasing them down, trying to drag them back to slavery. Just at the time that Pharaoh acquiesced and said, you know what, I'll let you guys go, he kind of changed his mind. He said, no, let's bring the chariots, let's bring the army. We're going to chase down the Israelites and drag them back into slavery. And in that moment, God says to Moses, lift your staff over the waters. And as his staff is lifted, the waters are parted. And a few million Israelites walk over on dry ground to the other side of the ocean. But as they turn back around and they see their enemies chasing them down, God tells Moses, hey, I want you to lift that staff again and I'm gonna crash the waters down on the very enemy that is trying to chase you down and take you back to slavery. And in one moment with a lifted staff, every enemy of Israel, everyone that wanted to drag them back into slavery was put in a watery grave once and for all because God said, you're not going back to the place I took you out of. You are walking into this new life that I have for you. 
Paul is saying, I get excited when I talk about this. Paul is saying, listen, in the same way that the enemies were buried in those waters, when you go down into the waters of baptism, the power of sin, that thing that tries to drag you back into your old lifestyle, drag you back into your old addiction, drag you back into your old depression and your old mindsets and all the stuff that you used to experience, it is buried in the waters like an enemy in the Red Sea. And you are never going to have to deal with that thing again. In a supernatural moment, I will put to death the power of sin and your enemy so that you don't have to be a slave anymore. You are not a slave any longer. Your enemy is resting in peace so that you can live in peace from here on out. I'm not a slave to addiction any longer. I've been set free. I'm not a slave to depression any longer. I have been set free. Fill in the blank. What enemy is trying to chase you down and drag you back to where you came from? No, in the waters of baptism, like an Egyptian, it has been buried once and for all. It is drowned and it is dead. Now, if all of that is true, which it is, I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> it's encouraging, hopefully. I'm gonna give you some very simple application with this. And I'm gonna hit both groups of people here because there are people in the room who have yet to be baptized and people in the room that have not yet been baptized. And so let me encourage both sides of the spectrum. For those of you who have yet to make the decision to be water baptized, here's my first point for you. Ready? Don't wait. Don't wait. I said at the beginning, the reason I wanted to teach this message second in sequence to uh, the series here is because of the biblical connection between these two words, repent and be baptized. Anytime you see that take place in scripture, these two words are married with each other. Repent, turn to Jesus, and then be baptized. It is an immediate work. It does not say, repent, turn to Jesus, follow him, and then wait a couple years until you think you're ready, and then get baptized. It does not say, repent, and then attend a 10-week course on baptism so that you can understand what baptism is, and then be baptized. No offense to the churches out there that teach that. It doesn't say that. It says, repent, and immediately be baptized. It also doesn't say, repent, and then wait until you've got your life figured out, and you've gotten free of some sin, and you feel like you can earn this moment of baptism so that you don't turn into a hypocrite that gets into a baptism tank and then falls right back into the pattern of sin again. And once you feel like you think you're ready and you feel like you've dealt with some of your own sin, then perhaps you can get into the waters of baptism. That'd be a really long scripture, even if it did say that. <laughs> In fact, if that's the mindset that, uh, that we have, let me remind you what it said in Romans chapter six. Let me hold you by your little face and say, you're waiting for a moment that will never come. Because according to scripture, the freedom that you're looking for is actually on the other side of baptism. It's on the other side of going into those waters, not some sort of prerequisite so that you can qualify to get into the tank. It's an immediate work. And listen, I get it. I understand that people feel like they're going to be hypocritical if they fall back into sin. Listen, you're going to sin again, okay? Please don't worry about hurting Jesus' reputation. He can let one more sinner on the team. We're going to be all right. He's doing just fine. And baptism is not some sick, twisted accountability pro program where, you know, when you fall back into that sin pattern, we pull up the DVD of you getting baptized and say, hey, you said you were done. What are you doing? Like, no, come on. I said it at the beginning. I'll say it again. What is baptism? Baptism is an invitation 
to experience new life. Don't wait. Don't stay in bondage longer than you need to. Don't stay in this pattern and the cycle of sin longer than you need to. Come on, get free today. If freedom is available to me today, I am laying hold of it and I'm running after everything that Jesus has for me. Don't wait. Number two, for those of you in the room who have been baptized, here's my second admonition to you. Do it again. (laughs) Now, because that's on sacrilegious and I understand. Let me clarify what I mean by that. Do it every week. No, (laughs) don't do that. You need a bath, do it again. I've met a lot of people in our church who come from very religious backgrounds and Catholic backgrounds where they were baptized as a child or they were baptized as a baby. And when we talk about baptism, I'm like, oh, I don't need to get baptized. I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a child. Let me, let me again remind you of the pattern of scripture. Repent and be baptized. Make a conscious decision for yourself to turn to Jesus and follow Jesus and then be baptized. An infant, a young child, does not have the mental faculty or the understanding of the gospel to repent of their sin, which is probably eating crayons or drawing on the wall at that point in life, and turn to Jesus. This idea of baptizing babies and baptizing children before they come of age and understand what they're doing is a religious tradition that has been created by man and there is no scriptural pattern for it. I mean, no disrespect, and I'm not dishonoring any other church that does that. Here's what I'm saying. You can thumb through that Bible and you will not find that anywhere. What you will find is people who've made a conscious decision to follow Jesus, say, I repent of my sin and I'm turning to Jesus and now I choose to be baptized. So if you are one of those in the room who has made a decision for real and it wasn't just some religious experience that you grew up in and you did it out of obligation. In fact, I've had this chat many times. People have said, I grew up in church and I got baptized. I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was kind of going through the motions. Am I allowed to get baptized again? Absolutely. If this is a moment where faith and understanding are coupled and you now realize what it's like to follow Jesus and you've repented of your old life and you're moving towards Jesus, absolutely you can get baptized again. In fact, I would encourage you to do so if you fall into one of those three categories because it's, this, it's the pattern of scripture. Repent and be baptized. Number three, and we'll land with this and I'll invite the band up. For those of us who have been baptized by faith and with understanding, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remind yourself. Remind yourself. Now, back to the beginning We started Hebrews chapter six, beyond basic. The premise of this series is that somebody is accusing Christians of having to go over the basic fundamentals of Christianity over and over and over again. Like, hey, you didn't get it. Like, and so you have to do it again and you have to do it again and you have to do it again. Thus, if there's an accusation that people are having to go over the basics of baptism again and again and again, I would assume that the problem is people don't remember what happened when they went into the waters of baptism. They're not living in a manner that is consistent with the power of what took place in baptism. So let me be the guy to remind those of you who have been baptized in water what took place in your life at that moment. You have been given permission to live a new life. So go live it. 
You are not the same old person that you once were. You're not the old dead version of yourself. You are a new creation. Embrace the newness that Jesus has for you today. When the enemy comes and he tries to assault your identity and he says, you're the same old person you always were. You didn't change. You're always going to be that way. You've always been that way. Your dad was that way. Your mom was that way. Nothing's ever going to change for you. In that moment, you need to go back to what took place in the waters of baptism and say, no, 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 no. I put to death that old man and the generational curses and all the stuff that was passed down to me. And when I resurrected out of those waters, I became a new person. If anyone is in Christ, I'm in Christ. They're a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. You need to remind yourself that you're a new creation. And when the enemy tries to come and drag you back into your old cycles, when you're standing at the shore and you look behind you and here comes Egypt again, here comes brokenness again, here comes anger again, here comes that thing that enslaved you for far too long. In that moment, don't freak out and go, I'm probably gonna fall back into it. Remind yourself that when you went under those waters, just as the old man was put to death, so was your enemy, and you are not a slave to that thing any longer. You don't have any obligation to respond or to act the way you used to. You can live in freedom. You have been given a new life. Don't wait, do it again. But for those who have, listen, sometimes it's just as simple as reminding yourself, Jesus, this is what you've done. And right now my experience is conflicting, but I'm gonna put my faith again in that moment where you took care of the old man and you took care of my enemy and I'm a new creation. I'm filled with joy. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed and highly favored. I'm free. As you remind your soul and you begin to declare these things out, we've said it many times here, your declaration will become your experience because that was a powerful supernatural moment that you can bank on in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.